Hello all. Today's episode is going to be a little different. I'm going to cover something that was um, published in PT in Motion in um, December, January 2016, 2015, 2016. And it's why are th- why therapists are embracing lean management. And if you're not aware of lean management or Six Sigma or commonly together lean Six Sigma, uh, I highly recommend you look at it. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of complicated. Uh, I've read a couple books on it. It's kind of complicated. Uh, I'm still working on taking a class. You know, you don't get CEUs for it, so it's kind of expensive. Trying to budget things out. No different than anybody else. I'm not rich, so uh, off we go. You know, and in the end, it, it it comes down to money, right? There's been a lot of talk again lately about becoming a millionaire how to make money. So off we go. What are you doing to make your company better? If you're employed, it's your company. Take stock in your employer. Give you a a quick story. You know, I used to work at Sam's Club and I I talk about this all the time. I used to work at Sam's Club and Sam's Club, man, one of the greatest jobs that I had at the time. Great team, um, great environment. There's a lot of great things that there were about Sam's Club. Pay wasn't necessarily the greatest, but, uh, it was good, right? And one of the things that I learned from Coach David Tanner. David Tanner uh, was the GM of the store. A great guy. You know, he was a good boss to work for. Uh, he pushed you to become a better employee, a better person. I mean, it was a great team. You know, and one of the things that he said that stuck with me was, look at the bottom of your check. Who signs it? What's it say? So let's just take Sam's Club for example, right? It was signed by a Walton and it said Sam's Club. It didn't say cart boy. It didn't say front end supervisor. It didn't say cashier. It said Sam's Club. Meaning if something needed to be done in that store, it was your responsibility to get it done. Now let's take that to healthcare. You work in the PT department and you see garbage on the floor. You have a responsibility to the business, to the hospital, to make sure that the place is clean. Now, I get it. Germs, ooh, nasty. Put on some damn gloves. Pick it up. Throw it away. Okay? If it goes in a hazards container, put it in a hazards container. If you're not quite sure what it is or if you should touch it, alert somebody about it and make sure that nobody else is going to touch it. If you don't want to touch it, make sure nobody else is going to touch it. So... Work to make your business better. Those small things bring value. Bringing value should bring you more value, right? So if you can make your company more efficient, you deserve a raise. You pick up garbage on the floor while you're on the way to the cafeteria. It's one less thing that the maintenance person has to do or the custodian has to do. You made the business more efficient. These are small details, right? These aren't huge details. These are small things. And when you start adding up a bunch of small things, you make a business more efficient. You deserve a raise. I personally don't believe that any of us should be getting raises for time served. Right? Your job is not prison. You don't gain more stroke just because you've been in there longer. You gain more stroke based off of what you can accomplish in that job. This is, I mean, this is crazy, but it's capitalism, right? It's business. You make the business more money. You deserve more money. 
if you've been there for 20 years, but yet you see fewer patients than somebody who's been there for five years, that five-year person deserves more money. So it shouldn't seem like prison. You shouldn't be gaining rep because you've, you've, you've got seniority. Find your passion and follow it. If you don't have a passion for at least one part of your job, reassess your career path. Once you find that passion, make yourself valuable. Make yourself unfireable. Okay? So getting back to the article. Process changes entails looking for changes we can make within our system to become more efficient. If we believe that no system is perfect and we can look at our own system, regardless of the profession or business, and and ask ourselves, how can we be better? This will most likely open up Pandora's box. For instance, I recently asked myself, what can we as a department be doing better? There were a lot of suggestions that were thrown out. You know, we delved into one suggestion and, um, you know, it, it hit a brick wall when we broached a certain subject. Pushing further, it turned out that another department limited our department. Conversation didn't go any further than this, but I would love to be in an upper level position to be able to bring the two departments together in order to demonstrate to the two departments how closely intertwined they are with each other. This was just one suggestion of improvement that I discussed with my supervisor at the time when I worked there. And um, in my opinion, things won't change because they're never analyzed. And if you don't analyze the problem and try to figure out, you know, all the different spokes of the wheel that relate to that problem, it's kind of hard to fix the problem. Next quote, in the end, whether it's a clinical process or an operational one, anything you do that is part of that process must create value for your customer. Customer and consumer, because customer is um, an iffy word, right? Who is our customer in healthcare? You know, the easy answer is the patient, but answers may be too a little bit too easy, right? Because I would have to challenge it. That is one of our customers, but it might not be the only customer. You know, when we look in terms of retail, who is the customer? Is it everyone in the store? In an ideal setting, the answer is yes, but realistically. Our customer is the one that is spending money on our wares, right? The, the one who's buying our services. In PT, the wares are PT. The services are PT. The customer, the one giving us the money, is not always the patient. Many times it's the insurance company. So how do we best create value for our pay- payers? We fix our patients if we can, right? We help them get better, and, and, and some people believe that the patients are our customers. You know, this is not to demean the patients by any means, you know, but, but we have to understand who is feeding us. And the insurance companies, likewise, have to understand who is feeding them, right? If the patients had to pay out of pocket, the patient is definitely the customer. And that creates a slightly different set of values, right? Because you're no longer filling out all the paperwork to get approval. Um, and so your time valued is a little bit different, right? When the patient is truly the customer and the patient is the only one paying, all of your time can be spent catering to the patient. When you have multiple payers, you have to cater your time to multiple customers, which means some customers lose out and typically it's the patient. Unfortunately, it's the patient. Michael Porter, a PhD in the New England Medical 
uh, New England Journal of Medicine, defines value as the health outcomes achieved per dollar spent. Okay? Seems sensical. Value should always be defined around the customer, and in a well-functioning healthcare system, the creation of value for patients should determine the rewards for all other actors in the system. Value in healthcare is measured by outcomes achieved, not the volume of services delivered. What this is saying is that the healthcare providers, you know, therapists specifically in this example, should get paid for doing a good job, right? Meaning the patient gets better and avoids other costly procedures such as MRIs, surgeries, prolonged loss of work, etc. Instead of getting paid for doing a lot of stuff to the patient. In my opinion, this means that if you have back pain, then the therapist should get paid a certain amount for, spe for a specific outcome. If this outcome occurs in a short period of time, then the therapist should make more money per visit overall. There is value, though, in identifying patients that will not benefit from therapy, and the therapist should also be rewarded for getting this patient to the proper practitioner to help them fix the problem. Another way to say this is that the therapist should be punished by having to refund money to the payer if the patient needs to undergo surgery that the therapist thought was avoidable. If we save the healthcare system a lot of money, you know, let me do on a side tangent here. That stuff's starting to happen, right? We're seeing this with bundled payments. We're seeing this with ACOs. I'm personally currently in a situation in which, man, if we can do well by the patient, there's money to be made. But if we don't do well by the patient, there's money to be lost, Right? And, and we're seeing this type of healthcare system slowly start making its way in. Some people are very hesitant to go in that direction because fee-for-service just feeds you as long as you have volume. But if you can do what's right for the patient, and sometimes what's right for the patient is a visit every once a week or every other week uh, instead of three times a week, then you should be rewarded if that's what's right for the patient. Anyway, carrying on. If we save the healthcare system a lot of money by avoiding surgery – we should see a percentage of that healthcare savings, right? And I think that, uh, gosh, I'm all over the place. I think that Mark Miller is doing that. I'm not quite sure of his um, entire business model, but I think his business model might be based off of, you know, total savings, uh, especially if you look at the the article that was published in, because they, they talk about um, downstream savings in, um, give me a second here, Journal Manual Manipulative Therapy. It's probably two years ago, so... Two years ago, it's 2021, so probably 2019, where they talk about the cost savings of a, a mechanical evaluation. I don't have the article in front of me, but I believe it was like a 52% cost savings for those who underwent a mechanical evaluation compared to those who didn't. Anyway, carrying on. On the flip side, if we stated that the patient would do well with therapy and the patient did not do well with therapy or needed surgery, then that money that we were paid should have to be paid back partially in order to help pay for that surgery. You know, this is opening up a box, but um, as I stated before, the cream will rise to the top, and those that are good at their job will learn how to maximize income by becoming better at helping those that can be helped and referring those that can't be helped on to somebody else that can help them. Seems like a simple concept, but um, apparently it's not because it hasn't really taken full effect yet. Quote, companies are seeking ways to reduce costs in response to healthcare reforms and in anticipation of the ever closer move away from fee for service and toward value based care. Okay, so when I first started um, writing this again, 2015, 2016, right? And I might have read the article 2016, 2017 and actually wrote something down 2016, 2017. Um, and so, you know, we're six years away from that. Uh, 
seeking ways to reduce cost in response to healthcare reforms. Boy, are we seeing that now more than ever. PTAs are going to see a 15% cut in their revenue from Medicare. Everybody saw a 3% cut in their uh, revenue from Medicare. We're seeing some private companies that have gone public shipping off their back office work to other countries to save a ton of money on, um, you know, authorizations and scheduling and, and what have you. We're seeing other companies that have gone public asking their therapists to see 20 to 25 patients a day without giving them a pay raise. We're starting to see these major companies try to figure out how to cut costs in order to maintain revenue so they don't, uh, they don't you know, dissatisfy their uh, investors. And so we're seeing healthcare cuts um, in response to these reforms. Are we moving towards a, a value-based care? Man, I don't know if I'm willing to say yes to that one yet. I mean, I think we're closer now to a value-based care than we were probably 10 years ago. You know, we're seeing more bundled payments. We're seeing Medicare Advantage plans um, where Medicare is deferring off to private companies to try to save money. We're seeing ACOs partner with these Medicare Advantage plans to essentially act as the HMO to receive a percentage of the money saved. I mean, we're starting to see it, you know, and some of this is, you know, bad words for some patients and some people because, you know, it means you have to have a referral. It means that you have to undergo authorization. Uh, but, you know, literally, if there's overutilization of healthcare, you should have to go through these things. If some companies are doing things unethically or illegally or, you know, they're just trying to maximize profit, then I think you should have to go through authorizations. I personally don't have problems with authorizations. So anyway, getting back to that quote, I mean, I'm going to tangent all over the place. Um, so again, cutting costs in response to healthcare reforms, trying to move towards value-based care. You know, this is all fine and dandy, but the companies need to inform the employees what is happening in the healthcare world. Transparency is extremely important. The therapists need to understand how much their time is worth, meaning how much revenue do they generate per hour that they're working, and that will help the therapist understand how much money they should make. Unfortunately, that's a big hush-hush secret. Um, check out Updoc Media. They, they have some data on what's the average reimbursement per session in different areas of the country, right? Um, you know, there are many companies that have cut jobs, you know, especially you know, five years later, hello, COVID, um, which creates a more stressful environment company-wide. We all here do more with less, but what should be said is that we are getting paid less and we have to get creative in order to continue to stay solvent, meaning the whole we need to be able to keep our lights on and doors open, right? You'll hear that terminology thrown around a ton, but these same companies that are saying we need to be able to keep our doors open and lights on aren't telling you how much profit they're making at the end of the year. They're not telling you how much their CEO is getting paid. They're not telling you how many regional directors they have and how, many, how much money the directors are being paid. So, so that's, that's important to know, right? Whereas in a smaller company, you know, you know how many people are in the company. You have a decent idea of how much money you're generating if you just do a little bit of research, right? So hello, uh, you know, personal accountability. Um, if you do a little bit of research, you can get an idea for how much a clinic is generating and how much you're making. You may not know the rent, but you can figure out the rent for most cases just by going on um, 
LoopNet, I think is what it's called, to figure out, you know, dollar per square foot. All of these things are easily to figure out if you take the initiative to do it. And then you can figure out how much money your company is making, you know, more or less, you know, ballpark. And so the whole keep the doors open, you can see how much money is left over after they keep the doors open. The patient is the customer. Value, therefore, depends on patient experience. Outcomes are greatly influenced by the amount of time the patient spends with actual caregivers. Okay, uh, the patient experience. Um, again, this is published 2015, 2016. Uh, you see Jerry Durham take off now on the patient experience in the front desk and how that all melds into creating the patient experience. And, you know, he's built a career off of, of these types of, of uh, data and information. You know, there's there's always ways to improve the customer experience, and we just have to try to find them, and some people are doing that better than others. Okay, so my company does some things right. You know, my company at the time, I work for a totally different company now. I'm in a different spot in life. Um, so my company at that time did some things right and some things wrong. You know, we need to assess the patient experience, and this starts well before the patient is actually sitting in front of us for an evaluation. You know, again, I wrote this in 2016, 2017. Um, when the patient pulls into your business, is the entrance marked appropriately? Are you easy to find? Did your receptionist or front desk person ensure that the patient had directions to get to your clinic? Did they tell them where to park? Now that the patient has found the clinic, how easy is it to park? Does the patient have to walk a long way in order to see the clinician? Is the waiting room busy? Is the waiting room cluttered? Is the waiting room clean? Is there coffee? Is there demographic-based reading material in the waiting room? Is the front desk staff warm and receptive? Does the front desk staff make an effort to remember patients' names? When the patient registers for the first visit, are they simply handed paperwork to fill out or does the receptionist offer to help? Or better yet, did the receptionist start filling out some of that paperwork when the patient called to uh, make the appointment? After the patient registers, does the therapist come to the patient or is the patient brought back to wait for the clinician? Is it a long walk to get back to that area where they're treated or evaluated? Are there private rooms or at least a private area available to talk candidly with the patient without the patient feeling stifled due to outsiders? Are the beds clean? Is the room inviting to the patient? Does the clinician have all the tools needed to take care of the patient? You know, this is all important. This is all that patient experience. And so in order for us to talk value, we have to talk the details. And all of these details happen before the patient even gets back to see the clinician, right? This only describes the first five minutes of the patient experience, and it can go on and on. You know, are companies still thinking about the patient experience, or are they simply thinking about the bottom dollar? bottom line, sorry, the, 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 the big macro dollar. You know, I, I could say that the company at the time that I worked there did not ask me to violate any ethical considerations as long as the patient is was in the clinic. You know, um, I was with the patient and caring for the patient. You know, the, the patients, they're vulnerable. That's why they're there. And, and I would do my best to ensure that the patient understands that they're in a caring environment. This doesn't always mean that I can help or, you know, quote unquote, fix the patient. But the patient understands that they'll learn, they'll be cared for, and ideally they're going to get their money's worth in the session. Next, the goal is to minimize the amount of time any patient must wait to be seen once he or she has called to make an appointment, three days or less. Now, at my old employer, you know, I've seen wait lists two weeks, four weeks to see the practitioner of choice. 
This is crazy. If the patient has to wait that long, the, the therapist better be fantabulous, right? Um, it's uncalled for to have a wait list longer than three days. My first job, we prided ourselves in getting the patient within the clinic within 24 hours if the patient wanted to be seen. And it meant sacrifices at time, but the patients were always the priority. And it should be that way, right? The patients should be at the top of the pyramid, the top of the priority list. Next quote, examining the department's intake procedure, its insurance verification process, and even the performance of individual PTs who might become more efficient by changing some of their protocols. All businesses, healthcare is not an exception, could stand to be better, right? We can all be better. There are many avenues in which to improve. Um, as I've listed many instances, you know, which could be evaluated within the first five minutes of the patient experience. Could the therapist be better? Of course, right? Is the therapist doing something to becoming better? And eh, maybe, maybe not, right? I mean, in my observation, you know, over the course of, you know, 13 years in practice, once we start getting paychecks and life happens, the professionalness, professionalists, professionalism and giddiness that we enter the profession with starts to get pushed down by other priorities, right? And I get it, family, kids. I mean, I got four of my own. Um, I get it. Right. Next quote. Lean. All about continuous improvement, improvement taking every functional area of your practice, business department, or organization, and continuously challenging everyone who is part of it to do things better. This can be scary. Imagine having someone tell you that you suck. Scary, right? Well, they're not going to say it. Um, it's going to be a little bit more professional than that. Um, but unfortunately, it's what we hear when we're told that we have to change. Right? We can all be challenged, but how we are challenged is what matters. And how we respond to that challenge is what matters. So it's important that the person who's trying to instill change makes sure that they don't put people down in the process of creating that change, you know, story time. And I think I've told this before, you know, the, the year was 20, uh, 2002 and, uh, Sam's club, 8298 Joliet, right? Who's number one? 82. It, it doesn't matter. Inside joke. Um, and a new GM came to the store and, uh, it was David Tanner, you know, and, and David was a great leader. I was working in tires at the time. And there were about four of us in the department on this day. You know, he asked me to do one job and report back to him when I was done. No one else was asked to do anything more. You know, mind you, there were a few of us. Um, and so I was the only one working while everyone else was waiting for the next customer. You know, they were just standing around. After the first job, he gave me another, then another, and another. Six hours later, I was a little frustrated, right? Because I was the only one working. You know, and I, and I confronted him about it, you know, after I did six hours of work. And he said something along the lines of wanting to see how much he could push me before I pushed back. He was surprised that it took six hours as he thought it was going to take much less. You know, I, and I respected him for that because he told me his end game. You know, and, and sorry, let me get to the end of the story, right? Happy ending. Um, these were all tests for me and uh, I was named employee of the year that year. So, you know, they wanted to see how I responded to adversity. You know, next quote, it, the lean program, allows you to find the steps that are not providing value so you can eliminate them. Change is hard, right? It's, it's, it's hard to change what we've always done. But if no one looks at what has always been done, then we will never know if we can do it better or if it needs to be done at all, right? So there, there, I'm sure there are changes in your company that you can look at and, or there are things in your company that you can look at and say, why are we even doing this? 
does it need to be done? You know, and, and Anthony Maritato talks about that a lot with uh, intake questionnaires. You know, do you, how much information do you actually need in order to get the rest of the information? You know, if you're hooked up to some of these clearinghouses and you get the patient's name and date of birth, that's all you need. With that information, you can get their address, you can get their phone number, you get everything that you need to fill out intake paperwork. But do you take that extra step to do it or do you just ask the patient to do it? And, you know, what's the best thing for the patient? Next quote, incremental changes are made to a process and either accepted or rejected depending on the results. This is similar to what we do in an evidence-based version of healthcare, right? We attempt to change one variable and note the result. If the result was bad, you know, then we change back to what we were doing originally and attempt to change a different variable. Same concept, right? Just applying it to business instead of patient care. The trick is to allow the variable some time in order to allow itself to show its change. For instance, if I were to offer valet parking, I couldn't assess it in one day. It may take time for patients to realize that this is offered and even longer still for it to become an everyday occurrence. You know, when it's established, then one can take inventory to decide whether or not it's good, bad, or indifferent, and if the valet needs to be improved or eliminated, right? You know, let's say you worked for a larger hospital system and you tell the patient that they can valet at the main entrance. But then after they valet, they have to walk through the hospital in order to get to your department. Whereas that same patient could have just parked at your department. So is valet beneficial for that patient or would it just been more beneficial for the patient to park in your own parking lot? It seems like you're offering something beneficial, but maybe to the patient it's not. And those are the things that would have to be assessed. Next quote. You're continuously making changes, but they're easy to reverse. If you do something that doesn't lead to significant improvements, you go back to what you were doing before. It's very self-explanatory, but I rarely see it put in practice. Complacency is the killer of excellence for me. Unless we're constantly striving to improve, then we will be passed up by those that are. Um, these are the things that, that I've talked about, gosh, since 2010. As long as I don't have a death blow... I'm good, right? I mean, I can go back and make another change. So as long as the change that I created doesn't kill me or kill the business, then whatever. I'll go back and to the way things were, let things stabilize, and then make another change, right? And to try to improve. And there's nothing wrong with failing. There's nothing wrong with getting a bad result as long as the bad result isn't mortal. So don't be afraid to make a change. Who cares what other people think? This is If it's your business... And remember, everybody's got a piece of the business. If it's your business, then you make the change that you think is going to do best for the patient and the business because what's best for the patient is typically best for the business. Next quote. If you want to come in and start your therapy today, you can. And you can make your appointments for whenever is most convenient for you. You just have to be willing to see different therapists. Right? This is a very simple concept. But if the patient is never made aware that they will be seeing different therapists, then the patient may not be as happy with the convenient time as they would have been if they had seen the same PT. This is something that you know my company at the time had tossed around, but it has not taken a, a initiative, right? So I hear a lot of patients complain because you know I'm a, a one-man show right now, and so I hear a lot of patients complain about that whole every time I went in, I saw somebody different. But if the company let them know that, hey, you got two options – you can either choose your time 
and you can come in at the same time, but you may be seeing different people. Or you can choose your therapist and you may have to come in at a different time. Now the patient has a decision to make and the patient has a choice. And if the patient sees a different therapist, they're doing it by choice. Okay, so that transparency is, is extremely important and it's important to be done up front. Next quote, I would encourage any PT to see the journey in their setting from a patient's perspective. What would my patients think about their experience? I believe that the clinical aspect is covered, you know, fairly thoroughly, but there's something else that I could be doing to enhance the experience. So these are the things that, but is there something else that I could be doing to enhance the experience, right? Um, These are the things that we have to pay attention to. How can we influence the patient's experience? And you can only do that through the patient's eyes, right? And so, you know, instead of, especially if you're an owner, man, if you're an owner, don't just walk into work, you know, sometimes come in early and what's traffic like on your way to work? How easy is it for them to turn into your parking lot? Um, is your parking lot marked appropriately? Do you have potholes in your parking lot? Um, is there construction anywhere around your parking lot? Is it safe for them to walk? Can they take their walker out? Is there uh, enough parking or does the patient have to go somewhere else to park? And did you make the patient aware of that? You know, when the patient walks through the door, do they have to pull the door open or is it an automatic door? You know, if the patient's in a walker, is that going to be easy or hard for the patient? These are all like small details, but you can only see it if you see it from the patient's perspective. Okay, so slowly wrapping this up, right? Um, Next quote, patients were starting late because it was taking too long to do all the paperwork. In that case, she says, we brought everything together to look at all the ways we had patients registered. We then figured out what was absolutely necessary as opposed to what we were doing just because we'd always done it that way. Managed to reduce the average intake time by almost 10 minutes. This is huge, right? You know, I hate that I have to wait for a patient to complete all the paperwork on the initial evaluation. When I have to wait for the patient, I'm left with two options. Cut the session short so that my next patient doesn't have to wait or make the next patient wait. You know, who's more important at this stage? It would be ideal for the patient to be completely registered prior to coming in for the first appointment. You know, why can't this be done when the patient comes into schedule? And, you know, for the most part, the paperwork that I have the patient fill out now is just the absolute necessary. Everything else can be sent home with the patient. You know, there's nothing that I need aside from a signed consent to treat and, um, you know, their insurance information, which I don't need much from that. I can fill all that out after I get the copy of their ID and uh, insurance card. And while they're filling out outcome measures, I could be working on something else, right? So, you know, very little paperwork is needed nowadays in the clinic, at least in front of me. Last quote, quiet the external noise that too often exists in workplace environments. When we reduce that volume of noise, we free up our clinicians and frontline workers. This is interesting because the exact line that was used in a previous email from an employer, unfortunately, just saying it doesn't do much if the leadership doesn't follow the same line. Noise could be anything from rumors, complaints, internal bullying, anything that makes the front line dissatisfied. What are you doing to quiet the external noise? Are you causing external noise? Are you doing things that make it harder to run a business? If you're doing things that make the business more efficient, you should get paid more. And that wraps us all the way back to the beginning. Efficiency is key. And we got to make sure that the patients, our customers, are happy. We have to define our customers and we have to look at our processes to determine what needs to be changed or what needs to be eliminated. 
Like I said, this is um, taken from Hayhurst, Why Physical Therapists Are Embracing Lean Management, PT, and Motion. December 2015, January 2016, pages 24 through 28. You can Google it. Thanks. Have a good day.